Osiris is coming in for landing at Centennial Airport when it suddenly drops from the sky. How did this incident happen, and why is it considered a miracle? Welcome back to the Hard Landings Podcast, everybody. I'm Nick. I'm Miranda. I'm Christy. And today we have Heather. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Welcome on. We had our normal monthly crafting day, and I just yelled out to the group, who wants to be a guest? And Heather was very quick on the draw. Yes. <laughs> Heather has some experience with aviation previously. Oh, just a little bit. So she wants to go to ground school with us at some point whenever we decide to do that. I think that'd be great. It'd be awesome. It'd be fun. And she's on episode 15 of our podcast. Yes, listening through from oh, the beginning. Oh, I was like, she wasn't on episode No, 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 no. No, she's listened no, she's listening, listening to episode. Got it, got yes. it. Yes. I, I was like, what? You didn't what even live in this about? state when we started this podcast. I did not. I didn't even know you guys. Yeah, I know. Nope. We started. We don't uh, exist. It's, it's all of it's you, a conspiracy. We are an, yeah. an enigma. You have, <laughs> you're just not listening to us. That's right. We don't exist. <laughs> Uh, so, obviously, that means yes. that Miranda knows what happens in this I one. I do. Uh, this episode is a little bit of a surprise. We threw it onto the schedule. Because I forgot. And, it, well, to be fair, it wasn't on the schedule originally. Nope. Uh, sorry, Scott. We tried to cover the thing you requested, and I looked at the report, and I don't know why I said yes before, but I'm saying no. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, Linda. Sorry, Linda. couple of notes from Paige. Yes. We need to sign ducks. We're we going to do that. And then when Paige was getting ready to send out ducks, they noticed that Marielle did not provide their apartment number. And this is also the point at which we realized we have no way of reaching out to people who have requested ducks. Yes, we need to add that on the form. Oh, I was supposed to. I forgot. I'm sorry. <laughs> Hopefully I'll remember to do that tomorrow. We, we, yeah, we need to be collecting at least the bare minimum information so we can ask questions. So, dear Marielle, if you're listening, please be listening. Yeah, uh, we can, need to... I'll, I'll put that you need to put your email. Just shoot us an email or a message or something. With somewhere. your apartment number, please. And we will fix the problem and send you ducks. Thank you. I'll fix the... I'll try to remember to fix the form. Yeah. Sorry. That's what it is. It I, I definitely remember we had this conversation like two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. forgot to do it. Yeah. So... That's okay. You're welcome. That's all right. It is what it is. Okay. Another housekeeping? Buy merch. Buy merch. The We've actually had quite a few merch orders. Yeah, we have. Actually. Another one yesterday. The crop top hoodie has been a hot favorite among our close friends. Yes. They're buying them like hotcakes. Cool. So that there's your advertisement, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Who bought what? Kaylin bought one. Paige has one. Kaylin bought one because Paige bought one. Oh, okay. That crop hoodie. I didn't realize that. Well, I wanted one, but I can't really pull off a crop because I'm really freaking short. So <laughs> I feel it's that. just a hoodie. That's why I don't. Want I one. want to so bad, but like it looks like a normal hoodie on me. Uh, like it's fair. not cute. You know what I mean? Crop tops scare me. Fair enough. I I can't pull one off either. So you know. <laughs> we should all just get matching crop top hoodies. I thought we were getting matching PJs. Why Done. can't we do Let's both? Do it. Working no less though. <laughs> Sorry, okay. Nobody Any- wants to see that on me, so <laughs> <laughs> I will not be participating. Okay. Anyway, check out the Patreon, like normal, and do do the stuff. There Solid. Oh, sign up for the newsletter. Solid should intro. be coming out, like, week maybe that this comes out. Yes, theoretically. <laughs> I, I'm really behind. Yes. I haven't even started it for May yet, so yes. that's fun. But check out the newsletter if you are so keen to. Yes. 
And uh, with that, what are we covering today? Today, we are covering the Centennial Miracle. Miracle? They That's... call it the Centennial Miracle? It was coined by Avweb, yep. Wow. That okay. term was coined by Avweb. To be fair, it is kind of a miracle. It, when we get into the nitty gritty of this, some of you already know what this is, since we've probably talked about it several times. We've talked about it on the I post I know we've talked about it on the post episode. Yeah, I know we've talked about it on the post episodes, but I'm pretty sure we've talked about it on the main episode when it happened. Didn't, what's his face, Andrew, the trucker, didn't he request this one? He might have. A lot of people have requested. Literally like two weeks ago. Okay. So, it exists now, and... Pretty much out of sheer personal preference, we really wanted to put on the schedule as soon as possible. So a gap, I forced the issue. A gap came available, and we forced it. In. I don't know. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> so, this one also is probably the most recent accident we've ever covered. I don't think any of the I've... other ones. Because the reports all took much longer on the other ones. So, this is going to be a short episode. Because this was not a technically commercial flight... This was a Part 91 flight or flights. And as such, it's just one of the short versions of the NTSB reports. Yeah, they didn't make it a full report. It's only 11 pages. Super short. And with that, too, this is being Part 91. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's not commercial, but it isn't airline transport. The flights do not contain passengers or cargo. Right. Which turns out to be really lucky. Yes. That doesn't mean that one of the pilots wasn't being paid, because he was. It was still a commercial flight, but it was part 91. Anyways, I'm not hiding much in this story. Into that end, you'll probably figure out what's going on pretty much right away. The first aircraft was a Cirrus SR-22. Normally aspirated. Not a turbo. Not a turbo. These are rare, actually. It's a weird teardropped airplane. It is. The Cirrus, we've talked about it a few times in the past, is a single-engine piston airplane with way too much power for its class. It is a pretty simple airplane. You can get your private pilot's license in it. You can get your instrument rating in it. But it's so powerful. I mean, it's way more powerful than a a Cessna, a normal Cessna or Piper. This airplane, even though it's a single-engine piston airplane, is capable of flying up to the better part of 22,000, 24,000 feet. This airplane, though, is unique in a lot of different ways. It brought a lot of new technology to the general aviation market. It is also way overpriced for its class of aircraft. Expansive. Yes, Better part of a million plus dollars these days, which is insane when normally like Cessna 172s, like original Cessna 172s and stuff were priced at like what would be the equivalent of like 20 grand today, 30 (laughs) grand, maybe like they're they're, Yeah, things have changed a lot. Aviation's gotten very expensive, but it's a carbon composite aircraft entirely. So instead of being aluminum or metal, it's carbon composite comes with uh, really new avionics. The interiors are usually very nice. Very nice. Very nice. They're usually the same leather in them that they put in Ferraris and stuff. So, it smells you know, like a new car. It does. It smells like a new car when you get in them. They're all really nice. Also, the only airplane equipped with a parachute when it was first designed, only single-engine piston airplane designed with a full, and certified with a full aircraft parachute. What's the whole That has since changed. There's what is the now. whole system called? I know CAPS, Complete Aircraft Parachute System. Which, by the way, means that when you pull it, you total the airplane. Yep. Uh, sure yeah, do. we covered that in the, the I'm pretty sure, the episode that had all the baseball players in it. Yes, because now there are other aircraft that have been certified with these CAPS systems, but... You better be sure <clears throat> you need to pull it. The Cirrus is the most <laughs> famous of these, and it has been used many times over on the Cirrus, and that's good and bad. Tail number on this one was November 416 Delta Juliet, one that I am innately familiar with, and I will talk about that later on. Okay. The second aircraft was a swear engine 
SA-226-TC. Do you talk also, about the flight number? No. This was Key Lime Flight 970. Yep, Key Lime 970. Didn't really mean much. It was mostly a repositioning flight. That's why it didn't really matter. Metro liner? It is a metro liner. It's a also lawn known dart. as a lawn dart to us. <laughs> this is why we call them the lawn darts. The lawn darts. Because they're bright green. Yeah, these ones in particular are bright green. This is a cargo aircraft. Normally in a passenger configuration, they're 19 seaters. They are very small inside. They are very tiny aircraft in reality. Very powerful for their size, though. Doesn't Key Lime have some configured for passengers? They do. They still have a couple. Yep. This one has the tail number November 280 Kilo Lima. This one had a sole pilot on board. The SR-22's pilot, the Cirrus pilot, was 59-year-old male. Don't know the names. And we also don't know the hours of this pilot. The Metroliner pilot was a 50-year-old male. He had 11,184 hours. Dang. Of which 2,656 were on the Metroliner. Metroliner 3, in particular. This airplane had way too many names because it transferred companies so many different times while they were being manufactured. Londart? Londart. <laughs> Londart is our nickname, yes. But F-16s are also known as Londarts. So. Oh, damn it. There's also a handful of other airplanes that have been called Londarts over the years, but this one earned the name for a particular reason. Its ability to dive into the ground? Yeah. <laughs> yes! <laughs> For lack of a better term, absolutely, that's exactly what the reason was. And on that very unfortunate and, though, somewhat funny name, that actually has happened to Key Lime at Centennial Airport here in Colorado, where it just fell out of the sky. I remember this. It was, like, probably in middle, late middle school, early high school. There was one that just fell out of the sky right into somebody's yard. Nice. Killed the pilot, destroyed the whole airplane. Happened fast. It was just a repositioning flight, too, but whoops. Talk about why they're all repositioning flights in a minute. So, yeah, this pilot had a lot of hours, actually. A lot of total hours. Normally, Key Lime is kind of a, a starter airline for a lot of pilots because they operate both 135 and 121. It's a really easy way to get a lot of hours in part 135. They operate a lot of charter for cargo, a little bit of passenger charter, and they operate pretty simple but still capable airliners. Small, but here in Colorado, they are a pretty well-known way to build hours. And they are also Denver Air Connection. Yes. Denver Air Connection is their commercial operation for their airline transport operation for passengers, as well as for passenger charter. But they do operate a lot of actually scheduled 121 flights now with some a little bit larger airplanes now than they ever used to have. So They fly on. out of DIA. They do. Actually fly out of Denver International Airport. Do they... Do they Use the bright green metro liners? No. No. Okay. I mean, they do for cargo. They do for cargo. They do a lot for cargo. They do dozens of them for cargo there. No, they do ERJ-145s, Embraer-145s, as well as uh, Dornier 328 jets that they use for passenger service in and out of Denver International. The Cirrus had taken off from Centennial Airport in Colorado at 9.21 a.m. local time on a VFR flight, just a local flight, just took off. They're going to fly around, come back. Nothing in particular. I've done this with you. What I can tell you is that this pilot was a private pilot. They had a passenger with them. Just one passenger. They were just going out for some sightseeing. I'm sure it was a nice day. I thought oh, it I was... Did, I didn't know that he had a passenger. I he, thought it was a student he, and an instructor. Hmm. Had a passenger. I didn't realize that. Pilot oh. was a private pilot. Took a passenger with him. Just a private pilot. Just went out for some VFR flying with a passenger. That's all. Nothing in particular crazy about that. This is a rental aircraft, so it was being rented from a flight school and rental company is this a specific flight school that we may yes. or may not know okay that i know well 
<laughs> that Nick may or may not have worked at before. That's correct. <laughs> Are we going to mention that it was a Cirrus training center? We can talk about that later on. Okay. The Swearingen, on the other hand, departed from Salida Airport at 9.56 a.m. on a repositioning flight to Centennial for maintenance or storage until it was needed again. The reason for that is because Key Lime Air is based at Centennial Airport. It's where they have their maintenance base. It's where the company is based. So that's where, when they have to move aircraft, they just move them there usually they don't, when they don't need them. While they have some space out at Denver International Airport to store aircraft, and they do, they store a lot of them, Centennial is still, like, if an airplane needs maintenance or something, or they just really don't need the airplane for a little bit, then they put it there. Because it's an easy thing to do. Who knows? I don't know the exact reason why they were moving it there, but they did. Skipping ahead, both aircraft took off, everything was fine, they were both flying for some time. As the Swearingen approached Centennial, the airport was using runways 17 right and 17 left for landing. This is very normal at this airport on a very nice day, as it was that day. Sun was shining. Skies were clear. Yep. 17 right and 17 left are the two main runways at the airport. There are three runways at this airport. There's also runway 1028. For those of you that don't know, I worked at this airport for eight years, so I know this airport well. Very well. I am also vaguely familiar with this airport. When we talk about in previous episodes, depending on how long you've listened, the indescript airport that Nick works at, it's Centennial. (laughs) (laughs) When we first started this podcast, I was still working at said airport. At 10.22 a.m. and 43 seconds, the swear engine was five and a half nautical miles from Centennial Airport when the aircraft completed its right turn to final for a landing on runway 17 left. The air traffic controller cleared the swear engine to land on runway 17 left. At the same time, the Cirrus was in the downwind leg for runway 17 right, just before making a right turn to base, so that is a perpendicular turn before your turn to final for the runway. A separate tower controller on another frequency cleared the Cirrus to land on runway 17 right, also informing the pilot of the traffic on the parallel runway. So the way that Centennial works, oftentimes, especially when it's busy, the runway 17 left will be used for landing traffic. Landing and taking off traffic for primary, like jets, and for any aircraft that are originating or ending at Centennial. But Centennial is also a well-known place for flight training. So they'll use 17 right or 35 left for pattern work. Right. And that was what was happening that day. Right. On a nice day, this airport uses up to four frequencies on the tower because even though this is a small general aviation airport, it is one of the busiest airports for general aviation traffic in the world. And at times, it actually tops. On any given day, it can be the busiest airport in the world, which is hard to fathom, but it really depends on the number of operations that are going on, if there's special events. But also on any given day, they just have so much student pilot traffic and local traffic, domestic, you know, any kind of private aircraft they just they have so much traffic there military traffic you name it they've got it and so when they operate this way they'll have one tower controller for one seven left and one tower controller for one seven right so one controller's handling all the pattern work flights different controllers handling everything else right and they have to do this because it'd be way too much for one controller and it's totally understandable the cirrus turned through the base leg and then soon was making its turn to final 10.23 10.23 a.m. and 52 seconds. The swear engine suddenly, or the Metroliner, suddenly shook as it was just 3.2 nautical miles from Centennial Airport. Nearly immediately, the swear engine pilot declared, the Metroliner pilot declared an emergency. Communication between the pilot of the Metroliner and the air traffic controller occurred. The pilot explained that he believed that his right engine had failed, but that he would be able to make it to the airport. The Metroliner managed to land on runway 17 left 
just moments later, coming to a stop about halfway down the runway. After a moment, the Metroliner taxied off the runway and onto the ramp of a nearby jet center. Which happened to be right outside of Nick's office. Yeah, we'll get to that part later. Saw this airplane. Which, by the way, just a note, the pilot thought <laughs> they lost the right engine. Yeah. Oh, they lost oh. a lot more than that. Oh, we'll get there. We'll get there. Oh, boy. Yep. The pilot shut down his engines. When the pilot exited the cockpit and looked toward the rear of the fuselage of the aircraft, he was stunned by what he saw. Meanwhile. Oh, I, are we not talking about that right now? We'll get to that part in a minute. <laughs> Meanwhile, simultaneous to the heavy thud on the Metro liner, the Cirrus also suddenly shook violently including destruction of the undercarriage and the propeller, suddenly. I'm sure you can figure out exactly what happened. The Cirrus suddenly lost control and began plummeting toward the ground over the Cherry Creek State Park, of which we are all very innately familiar with I'm living not, in Denver. I'm not giving it away because Cherry Creek State Park is a big place. It's, it's big across place. the street. It's, it is across it's a, the street. It's a big place. Yeah. yeah. We could walk to it from here. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's not quite to where the plane crashed. No, not where the plane crashed, because no, it's a big place. But, but getting to the wreckage site is a matter of like a 10, 20 minute drive, depending like on how you get there. Yeah. The pilot of the Cirrus acted quickly and pulled the caps handle, releasing the parachute, which allowed the aircraft to come down in an open field in the state park, just three nautical miles from the Centennial Airport, where it made a relatively heavy impact that separated the aft of the fuselage just behind the rear window. The pilot and passenger of the Cirrus were uninjured in this accident, remarkably. Completely uninjured. Just a little far from where they need to be. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. And not how you want to end up there. None of the three people involved, in fact, on the two aircraft were injured. And neither was anybody on the ground, remarkably. So what do you do? Do you call an Uber? Right? (laughs) No, you you, you have to wait for them. In the middle of the state park. You have to wait for them to come. And I'm sure. I mean, emergency services showed up. Yeah, they did. Metro Fire showed up. I just imagine someone going, well, what do I do? Yeah. yeah. How do I get out of here? (laughs) I don't have a car. I don't think they were near any roads either. I think they were literally. No, they were right next to a road, actually. Oh, okay. They were really close. They were only a few hundred feet, actually, from a house. Did they just call a tow truck? <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. They were only a few hundred feet from a house, actually. Oh, they that's... They weren't very far away. A very they, big tow truck. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty fortunate they ended up in the field, to be honest. Do you talk about the wreckage? Getting there. Hold on, hold on. How done? Hold on. The Metroliner was damaged, and the pictures were stunning from this accident. It stunned the world. Quite honestly, anybody in, av- I, in the aviation community were so sh- shocked. I happened. do not. They showed me the, the what it looked like, and I was like, there's no way that plane flew all the way back to Centennial. Like it, that. it only had 3.2 nautical miles to go, but it did. It made it there. The aft fuselage had been ripped open like an aluminum can across the top of just, aft, just aft of the wings. How? And forward of the oh tail. God. A notch, it like ripped in half. A notch was also made in the tail. Not that that was of note, but yeah, it's pretty noticeable. There's actually a very famous picture that someone caught of it landing. Yeah, this oh is my it God. as it crossed the threshold. There's pictures of it while it was still airborne like this, which if you pay close attention, you can tell that actually the aft part of the fuselage was hanging ever so slightly downward. Yeah. That's how much of the fuselage was which, damaged. By the way, this plane's still at Centennial. Yeah, it is. It's still and there. And it's not fixed. <laughs> no, they're not going to fix it. They're no, going to use it for parts They're using only, it for parts. Um, which is a very Key Lime it's, thing it's to do. It's covered at Centennial so when, at the Key Lime 
area. Yes. It, and it's a very key lime thing to do to go, oh, well, we can't fly that one anymore. Let's just use what we can off of it. That is such a key Damn lime. Damn it. Thing. It didn't transfer to this phone, but I have a picture of it somewhere. Yeah. On my other phone of it just sitting there with a tarp on it. I have pictures of it from that day while it was sitting across from my office because my office was facing this direction. Honestly, I would have seen this airplane land had I been looking up at the time, but I was so used to airplanes coming and going and I couldn't really hear most of them from my office that I wasn't really paying attention. But then you started messaging me about this. So and what I had I, unconsciously what? seen a Key Lime Air parked on this ramp, which wasn't normal. They don't normally park on this particular ramp at Centennial, where it was. And it did not click until a few minutes after you were messaging me about something. And I was like, wait a second. That's the airplane. I drove over there because it was only a minute away from where my office is. I drove over there. And yeah, sure enough. That was the airplane. There it was. Wow. Giant chunk out of the fuselage. So when they told ATC that they think they lost an engine. Yeah, they were. Did not. they did, and they <laughs> saw that? Did they say you're you lost more than just an engine? Um, the air traffic control didn't see it. I don't know if they saw okay. it. Uh, the air traffic controller could see the damage to the airplane for sure. And I'm sure they saw the parachute, but they didn't really say much. Because I actually, that day, I listened to the air traffic control recordings. Because, of course, I wanted to know. <laughs> I think there's a Voss Aviation. There I talk is. about oh, it. Oh, yeah. There I is. talk about it. Yeah. So... There was a lot uh, that happened that day, but yeah, I mean, it made international news super fast because nobody was injured. It was a miracle. It really was a miracle. I, I mean, one airplane was literally, both airplanes were damaged beyond repair. Mid-air collision, nobody dead. That is basically unheard of, by the way. Both airplanes are totaled, <laughs> which, yeah. but nobody died. My coworker yes. is the one who told me because she had gotten the nine news notification uh -huh. and she was like, there was a mid-air collision over Cherry Creek State Park. I'm like, well, someone died. <laughs> no. No. Nobody died. And so was I productive the rest of that workday? Absolutely not. I was logged into Fox 31's live stream mm -hmm. and they were like just talking about it. And as they were coming out with information, they were talking about it. And at one point, the news anchor was like, OK, I have reports coming in that it was a Cirrus SR-22, but I also have reports of a parachute and I immediately put in the chat like hi I'm an av geek yes they are equipped with a parachute and so on air he's like thank you Christy for confirming that this aircraft yep like, yes yeah the whole thing it was crazy and the, the so I make it sound like the the metro liner was the bigger part of our small world thing but actually the Cirrus hits much closer to home I sat in that airplane. I used to take care of this airplane. I've sat in that airplane dozens of times. When I say that the, the Cirrus smells like a new car, it's because I sat in that airplane. And at the time, this airplane was only maybe four years old when this accident happened. Three or four years old. It was not very old. And it was a nice airplane. It was like, it was, I mean, it really was like brand new. It had some really new features. It was nice. And yeah, I used to take care of this exact tail number, this exact airplane. And I know the owner of this airplane. I'm actually still friends with him on Facebook, I think. Like, that's how crazy this is. Like, it just, I just, this one was way too close to home. This is not even the, the you, I, I should say that this is not the only accident I've been close to home on. I actually, I have others. <laughs> I have others that have been fatal. And this one, though, is the most remarkable of all of them was just unbelievable when it happened. I mean, literally, I remember, like... Sam Chewy, who is one of the biggest faces in social media, the social media world of aviation, whether you like him or hate him, I know people are very, if you're in the aviation community, you're very one-sided about this. 
He posted about it the next day. He was like, this is incredible. (laughs) It is incredible. (laughs) And he's based in Dubai. He has like the world's attention when it comes to aviation. He posted about it because I mean, this really was was, on everything. It was on everything. And I remember all the people that were messaging us. And my mom was like, I'm sure you heard about this already. And I'm like 3000 times over. I have a picture of the airplane. You want it? (laughs) Because I took a picture of the the Metro liner. Yeah. Because, of course, I saw it. Okay. Well. We're going to take a break here. I want to do the second half, starting with the analysis, because there's no findings or recommendations. Ta-da! Now you know. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. And I was driving at the time. There's news people right there. Yeah, with a big giant chunk out of the airplane. I'm trying to see. There's a bunch of pictures from the news thing around it, too. Yeah, I took a bunch of screenshots of when I was on the live stream. So this this whole thing happened. So, but how? It's a super simple explanation, to it be entirely honest. Very unfortunately simple. And here's the thing about We it. figured it out day of what happened. Day of. And my dad and I had a call with each other about this, too. And he was like, so what do you think happened? And I said, go look at the data. I know what happened. There's no question about what happened. Not at all. Okay, so this investigation was performed by the... NTSB! Sure <laughs> And they recovered an onboard recording device from the Cirrus, which it was not required to have, but it did because it's a Cirrus and it's all fancy. And Pretty much all Cirrus have this onboard. All modern Cirrus, I shouldn't say all Cirrus. All newer built Cirrus since like 2015 have these. There was no mention of any recording devices on the Metro liner, though one was not needed for the purpose of this analysis. Nope. Air traffic control recordings were also used for this investigation, as well as ADSB data. Now, when we watched this on the news and eventually on Vast Aviation, which is a wonderful YouTube channel to follow, cough, cough, <clears throat> we all knew immediately what happened, and it was all confirmed in the analysis of the report, albeit with quantifications that we did not have before. Right. Vast Aviation did a reconstruction of the mid-air collision using ADSB data and added in the air traffic control recording, which can be found on liveatc.net. This is the craziest part is having ADSB data, which you can access on Flight Radar 24 anytime. Mm-hmm. Though they do a consolidated amount of it. They don't release all of the data Mm-mm. because that would overload their system by a lot. So, but it's interesting because this is why my dad and I were able to have a conversation about the data points within Flight Radar 24 that day. Yep. From this reconstruction, it was fairly evident that while the Cirrus pilot was making their turn from base to final to line up with the runway, they were going way too fast. Way too fast. The Cirrus is a very mighty aircraft for its size, and it would not be difficult to lose awareness and take a turn like that too fast. How fast? The NTSB revealed that the turn was taken about 50 knots faster than the recommendation in the Cirrus manual for 50% flaps approach. Which, so, anybody who flies single-engine piston aircraft would be very jealous of being able to make a turn 50 knots faster than your (laughs) approach speed, when most of those (laughs) aircraft can usually only do like 30 knots faster than their approach speed in cruise. (laughs) Okay, so they took it a bit fast. So what? Well, when you're making a turn, whether that be in a car, aircraft, bike, what have you, you need to maintain a certain centripetal acceleration to stay in the turn, and you can feel when you're about to lose it. That acceleration is determined by a little equation of A equals V squared over R. 
or velocity squared over the radius. Mm -hmm. In this case, the Cirrus was flying about 55% faster than it should have been. <clears throat> yep. Meaning that its turning radius needed to increase by about 142%. Wow. Yep. Hate that. That meant the radius of the turn quickly swung outward, and the Cirrus overflew the center line of runway 17 right and flew over the center line of runway 17 left and right into the path of the Metroliner. Over top of it, turns out. By the grace of whatever you hold holy, no one was injured. Really was incredibly miraculous. The Metroliner was repositioning and was not carrying any cargo or passengers, and the impact occurred in the aft portion of the fuselage, so no one on that flight was hurt, and the pilot taxied to park right in front of Nick's office. We will have pictures on the website taken from Nick's office, as well as recent pictures of that aircraft just chilling out near some hangars and covered in a tarp being used for scrap parts. A lot of this has already been said because I write these scripts ahead of time. <laughs> yeah. The impact on the Cirrus was to primarily the landing gear, but it was subsequently uncontrollable, so the pilots correctly pulled the chute and safely landed in Cherry Creek State Park. Everyone walked away. And everything else we already talked about. So that's what I got. It's pretty simple. Way, way, way too fast. Which, the Cirrus is capable of going very fast, and to be fair, it has a high-speed wing. So but, you have to approach it 90 to 95 knots, which is normal. Well, so that's if it was doing a no-flaps approach. Right. It was doing a 50% flaps approach, which, by the way, Cirrus, how are you doing your flaps? They do two notches. Weird. So 50% flaps as opposed to 100% flaps. Mm -hmm. Approach is 85 to 90 knots. They were going 140 knots. Yeah. Which is way too fast. Way too fast. Yeah. Way too way, fast. Yeah, uh, in a single-engine piston airplane, it's way too fast. That is the landing speed of a 737. Yeah, when you put it that <laughs> way, that's not good. Now, and to be really clear on this, that's faster than most single-piston-engine aircraft can even perform go. Even in Colorado. Even try to go. Yeah. Try to do that in a, in a Cessna 172. Yeah, Brendan and I are happy when we're in the 172 if we can get 90. Like... <laughs> Almost not kidding. Like 110 is really fast in that airplane in a, in a Cessna 172. That is like topping out. I cannot imagine. No. Like it just doesn't. Cirrus are way too powerful. And the turbo version of the SR-22 would have even more oomph. I mean, it's not technically more horsepower, although a little bit, but it is more oomph because it doesn't need it doesn't need to keep trying to find air. It's got it. So it's air to fuel ratio is always the mixture is always, always perfect on that airplane. Until you get way up high. So the SR-22 is still a super powerful aircraft. The airplane's capable of flying like 200 knots. Which is insane. It's hard to imagine trying to get your private pilot's license in that airplane. It's hard to imagine having your private pilot's in that airplane. It's very easy to get behind on that airplane. When you're a new pilot, it's very easy. And in Nick's experience working at that Cirrus training facility, people would just buy a Cirrus and be like, here, teach me how to fly. I wish I could, yep. you know, just buy an airplane. A million this, dollar airplane. That's this airplane, insane. and not, not, this doesn't say anything about the owner of the airplane, actually, because he was a good guy, but the guy who owned this airplane was one of those people with the airplane he owned before this one. Wow. <laughs> he bought a Cirrus, it was just a 20, an SR-20, bought that, brought it to us and said, teach me how to fly, and we did. There's we kept that airplane for him. So too. much I would do with a million dollars. I, I believe me, I know. <laughs> I would not buy a Cirrus. I, I would definitely that. not buy a Cirrus. Yeah, no, that is not an airplane, the first airplane of choice. What would be your airplane of choice? Mm, that's a hard one, to be honest. Kind of like my dad, probably. I 182? 182 is a great airplane in Colorado. It's simple. It's a great airplane. Good performance. You can fly it over the mountains. You can fly it anywhere. Good airplane. You, you don't Without want to have being putt too putt? Much. No, no, no one can. You can't do 
with putt putt. No. That's why it's called putt putt. <laughs> My dad got very lucky with that airplane because it was his first airplane. He bought it for twelve thousand six hundred dollars. Wow, very lucky. But that airplane Did he had a buy line. it in cash. No, I don't think so. Okay. Well, he might have. I don't know. He, he didn't put a lot of money. I mean, he didn't share that plane with anyone. Nope. He bought that airplane for just for him. Wow. It was. It, he was really proud when he got that airplane. He was really sad when he let it go too. Both him and I sat there and cried for a while. Wow. <laughs> oh, <laughs> after we that, went on to bigger, better things. So. After the after that, he got the Warrior and the Archer. Yep, those were great airplanes. The Warrior is still at Centennial. The Archer is too. They're both there. Oh, I didn't know the Archer was too. Mm, they're both there. Which one got repainted? Neither one of them really got repainted. They got some modifications. One of them had the wheel pants removed, which, okay, whatever. I think it looks better with it, and it's technically slightly faster with it, but oh, whatever. Okay, whatever. This is tangent so that doesn't matter. Okay, so the National Transportation Safety Board determines the probable cause of this accident to be the Sears pilot's failure to maintain the final approach course for the assigned runway, which resulted in a collision with the swear engine, which was on final approach to the parallel runway. Contributing to the accident was the failure of the controller to issue a traffic advisory to the swear engine pilot regarding the location of the Cirrus and the Cirrus pilot's decision to fly higher than recommended approach speed, which resulted in a larger turn radius and contributed to his overshoot of the final approach course. So you might have noticed we di- that has something we didn't talk about. I very, very, very vaguely alluded to it when I told yes, the story. So the Cirrus was made aware of the Metro Liner. The Metro Liner was not aware of the Cirrus. was never aware of the Cirrus. And they weren't talking to each other in the same frequency. So this became a point of contention because Centennial is a very unique case and it's a very difficult airport to handle. As an air traffic controller, I have to imagine that Centennial is one of the hardest airports in the world to work at. On a busy day, you will be overwhelmed. How they do it, to be honest, I still don't know. But they have two parallel runways that are very close together at Centennial. Are those the runways that we usually watch when we go play? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. Yep, those two runways are very close together. So much so, and they're always doing parallel landings and takeoffs. Always. Always. It is so busy. But when we play in spot, we usually see them landing on the three fives. So going from south to north. These guys were landing north to south. Oh, okay. Right. So Not that we haven't seen them doing the that before. Other way. Yes. Right. Not that we haven't seen them doing that before there, but yeah. It is that's yes. And because of that, the air traffic control system at Centennial that they had developed for the airport. It's complicated. As a specialized air traffic control system at the airport. It came under a lot of scrutiny immediately after this accident. It did, because they really, they felt that it wasn't correct communication the way that they were doing everything. They really had kind of come up with their own lingo that had been a little more localized to the airport. And they felt that this maybe lacked standardization. When other pilots would come in, this could be confusing and a problem. And I understand all that, but they really had to do the best they could with the situation they're handed because that airport is not easy. And when I say the situation they're handed, you have to realize, too, that this is an FAA tower at Centennial. And all FAA towers are by assignment. So those people are told by the FAA, this is where you're going to work. So it is purely by sheer luck that they're working at Centennial. Those people don't choose to be there usually. Not that they don't like it. A lot of them do. It becomes an incredible airport to work at. Once you have experience there, shoot, JFK is a walk in the park. Seriously. That's scary. Yeah. You could go work JFK in a heartbeat after that. It would be so boring after that because everything is just so standardized. You're getting them in the same pattern. You land them the same way. You take them off the same way. They go out the same way. It's all stars and SIDS. Doesn't matter. Meanwhile, at Centennial, you're dealing with helicopter traffic for medical. You're dealing with new student pilots doing little laps in the pattern and people coming Fighter jets. Fighter jets coming in way faster than the surrounding traffic. Ospreys. 
Yep, they get Ospreys. They get it all, man. And they get business jets like crazy, which you're also C-130s. having in and out. C-130s occasionally. They get military traffic galore. They get cargo traffic, helicopter traffic, medical traffic. like Taylor crazy. Swift's jet. <laughs> yes, also. Famous people all the time. Famous people all the time. John Travolta likes to fly in and go to the perfect landing and just pop in and say hi. He does, actually. Except he's a piece of trash. And a Scientologist, <laughs> so. Yeah, there's that. So, it's a crazy airport, and they did come under a lot of scrutiny. They had to make some small changes to the way they do air traffic control, but ultimately, there's not much they can do because they still are going to have all that traffic. It's not going to change. Ultimately, I think this was a real come-to-Jesus moment for some serious pilots. Yes. <laughs> like... Okay, I realize that this are whole flying. like ideology of, oh, but I just have the chute. You're really lucky that the chute yeah, was this say, time. Yeah. If it wasn't for that parachute. Seriously. Well, A, but B, you're also really lucky that no one else was on board that Metro liner. Oh, yeah. Because if there was anybody else in the back. They were lucky. Forget, we'd have a whole Hawaiian Airlines thing going on. They're- Aloha. Aloha. Aloha, yeah. Why do I always confuse it with Hawaii? Because it's in Hawaii. Yeah, and it's anyway. Aloha, excuse me. They were lucky that they were pulling the chute over the 17 left approach and not over the 17 right approach because they were 100 feet from the houses which were under the 17 right approach. <laughs> so if they had done this and been just slightly further to the right, they wouldn't have been in somebody's house. If this had happened one mile north, they would have ended up in the reservoir. If it had happened one mile south, they would have ended up on Arapahoe Road. Oh, God. <laughs> Can you imagine? You just so, trying. You're just trying to live your life, and down comes an airplane. You're like, I'm just happened. trying to get to work. Okay, <laughs> I just need to do my job. And you call work, and you're like, uh, I'm not gonna come in today. There's a plane on the road. Yes. It, this <laughs> well, and at the time where I worked was not far from Centennial. Nick and I used to carpool because we're cute and coupley and. <laughs> and it would. I would take Arapahoe Road to go to work. I was working from home, but that could have been me. This was one of like a couple dozen aircraft that I not witnessed in an accident. Like I, I never saw any of the accidents happen directly. And honestly, I'm glad I haven't. But I, at least a couple dozen aircraft that I have seen damaged or destroyed at Centennial. It is a busy airport. It is insane. I, like, I have seen everything you can possibly imagine. I've seen belly-landed airplanes, the damage from that. I've watched them pull airplanes out of the ditch at least a dozen times. There was that one day where there were three accidents <laughs> yeah. at Centennial. One on each runway in 24 hours. One of them had, like, just happened right next to where my office is. Like, even closer than this one. Like, I mean, 200 feet from where I was sitting. Had just happened. And... I heard about it, so I went outside, and there was all, like, the, the airport authority and the airplane and the fire trucks were just showing up. Like, I've seen a lot of things there. And then the Thankfully, second... in almost every case, nobody was hurt. Almost and every case. The second plane was rubbernecking. Yeah. Hey, look at that crash. Crash. Oh. Crash. <laughs> but a handful of times it has been deadly. I am also a disaster. Yes. There was one time that Nick was... We found out via the news that a Cirrus had crashed in Parker, and he was working at the Cirrus Training Center at the time. No, actually, I wasn't anymore. I wasn't anymore. I had to reach out to people that I knew there to make sure that it wasn't. Well, we drove out there, and we parked damn near in front of the house that had an engine in its kitchen. Nice. Yeah, it come through the wall. It was not someone that Nick knew. That's what we were worried about. It wasn't somebody that anybody I knew knew either. It was a visiting Cirrus. Yes, it was. It was from Colorado, but it was a visiting from somewhere far away. So, like Durango? I think it was coming from Montrose or something. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
that Remember. other way. <laughs> For yes. our other way. <laughs> yes, kind of, yeah. So sometimes working in aviation just hits you. Sometimes you just know someone who works in aviation mm-hmm. and it hits you. Mm-hmm. I knew people, I mean, some of the clients, because we did lose one airplane while I was working at the Sears Center. And Sears you... One airplane, and I was the one that launched that airplane. I knew the pilot well by this point. He flew with us almost every day that I was working. I knew this guy well. I'd known him for a couple of years. We were taking care of one of his airplanes. He was retired, retired lawyer, really nice guy. But an unfortunate incident happened. The airplane got away from him, and him and his, I think it was four passengers, perished. And that was that was a rough day. That was a rough day when I heard about that, because I had launched that airplane the day before. With him and those people, they were going up for a trip to Montana, and they didn't make it. So, Well, on that note... It happens. It happens. These things happen. And general aviation is a much, much rougher, much tighter community, though, that I find, than airlines. Not that the airlines aren't a tight community, but when things happen in general aviation, I think it's, it's a lot more of a close-knit community in a different kind of way, where it really brings people together a lot more. And it hits home a lot more, because everybody kind of knows everybody in some way. and. It happens a lot because <laughs> general aviation is still a little bit of the Wild West in aviation because there's it's very hard to regulate. Understandably so. I mean, you, you can't get pilots into aviation without starting part 91, without starting part 91 and without starting in. It has to start very simple and it's very hard to have all of the technological advances we have in, in the airlines that keep airplanes and passengers and things safe on such small airplanes. Cirrus is kind of doing it, but it's not affordable. So it's when you're flying Cessnas and Pipers starting out, you're flying 30, 40, 50 year old airplanes that haven't had a lot of new things added to them. And it becomes it's it's I'm not saying it's dangerous, but there's not really another way around it. There's no truly affordable way to do this. And Electric aviation hopes to change that. There's a lot of different things that try to change that, but it's still the way it is. It's too hard because you can't overregulate it either. If you overregulate it, nobody's going to be able to get into the aviation community. You're not going to have pilots. So the FAA has to draw that very fine line. We have to figure out how to make it safer without making it inaccessible. Because what happens then is you don't have any new pilots. Right. And then you, you don't can have... afford to be a pilot. And then. Oh, wait, that's already a problem. It yeah, kind I was going to say they're kind of already running into that. Yeah, that's a big problem already. And I, I have some strong feelings on that. But beside the point, it is the nature of the beast in Part 91. This incident was incredible. It proved that it is still safe. Aviation is still safe. Things, crazy things can happen. It's one of the times that caps Ave- actually worked. Yep. These three people really were the luckiest people on earth that day. Oh my god! And I say lucky because it, it was it a pretty miracle. Much was sheer luck. There, I mean, had anything even slightly gone differently, gone differently, it would have been. If a they had disaster. struck one second sooner, that would have been the cockpit they hit. Mm-hmm. If they had struck ever so slightly deeper on the swear engine, it wouldn't have made it to the runway. No, no it they would have, have fallen off, fallen gone. off the sky. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. if. You know, the, the Cirrus didn't have a parachute. If the parachute didn't work, different story. If it had landed 100 feet, 200 feet further to the west, it would have hit a house. I mean, just everything was in their favor that day. It really was pretty much sheer luck. Unfortunate. Shouldn't have happened, but it was pretty much sheer luck. So there's that. So that was the 2021 Centennial Miracle. Yep. There you go. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being here, Heather. Yeah, of Thanks. course. Did you have any extra questions or any thoughts? I don't think so. Okay. I know. We didn't. <laughs> we kind of <laughs> rambled straight through this one. So. Yeah, this one was not, didn't seem typical. It was not a normal one for us. That's for sure. But I've wanted to cover it. 
and everyone oh, wanted us to cover it. Oh, absolutely. From the day it happened, because we already had this podcast for almost a year and a half. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, well, I'm pretty sure we had people sending us stuff. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We did that day. Listeners yep. sending us stuff. They're like, hey, we're like, we know. We know. <laughs> we live here. We literally live here. <laughs> it's the same thing with the, with the UA-328. UA-328. Yeah, yeah. We like, know. Hey. We're like, we know. We are well aware. I would have been living here for maybe six months. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Thanks so much for listening. Do all the stuff. Check out Patreon. We're your, about to have a post episode here. Your weekly Patreon plug where you can hear me talk about my children having very uncomfortable conversations with me. Ooh, that'll be fun. her children. No. Students. students. My, my students. You have to... Re- I call them my children. When you teachers can, say they're students, they're, or they're, they're children, they're always talking about their students. You can also listen to our dog be chaos, and Heather's dog be a complete angel. <laughs> He's doing really well. He's just yeah. laying down. So remember to do all the stuff. Check out the merch. If you want discounts on merch, guess what? If you're a patron, you get a discount. You get a discount on merch. 15% for a $20 patron, 10% for a $10 patron, 5% for a $5 patron. Yeah. And then also you get free merch too. We send you merch. We send you stuff. We have if lots of stuff. you are a patron. So we have lots of things out. to give you. And also make sure you check out the newsletter and the listener story. Oh, there's the trivia questions. There Are there? Well, not yet. We answered them last you said the newsletter's coming out the week of this, right? Oh, actually, it's the week of last week's. Uh, oh, whatever. But, it, 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 yes, there will be new trivia questions. You can get it and email us the answers if you think you know the answers. So, yeah. Thanks yeah. so much for listening. We do appreciate it. We hope you have a safe and healthy week, and we'll catch you all next week. Keep your speed up. Please like and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hard Landings Podcast and on Twitter at Hard Landings Pod. Subscribe and leave a five-star review on the platform you are using to listen. If you would like to see photos and sources for this episode, please visit us at hardlandingspodcast.com, where you can also leave us feedback and ask questions. This episode was researched and written by Nick and Christy and edited by The Lovely Page. Our theme song was written by Miranda and performed by all three of us, plus Leo. And our logo is by Naomi. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time.